0: Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are discussing Bones and All" from 2022. Directed by Luca Guadagnino, written by David Kagnick, written by, (laughs) I can't pronounce the easier one, Uh, based on the novel by Camille DeAngelis, starring Timothy Chalamet, Taylor, Russell, and Mark Rylance. In this film, a young woman who learns that she's not like other people is forced to make her own way when her father abandons her. If you're new to the show, we'll keep it spoiler-free for the first 15 or 20 minutes, but after that, we're going to play some transition music before we switch into spoiler mode and run through the plot and review the film.
1: Uh, Ashwin, was this on your radar for a while, or did it kind of surprise you? You know, I I think I saw a trailer for it when I went to see The Smile back in... I want to say October, Um, and it didn't look interesting at all, so I completely forgot about it until you reminded me. It sounded like it uh, it had some hype behind it or something. I
0: think, uh, you know, Luca Guadagnino did Suspiria in 2018, which we really, I think we should cover that next year. I'm surprised we haven't yet. Um, And he did Call Me By Your Name, and Timothy Chalamet is just, you know, the hottest thing on the planet right now. (laughs) So I think people were excited for this and there was some buzz around it. But it kind of missed me. I just, people were talking about it on the Discord and I was like, oh, I guess maybe we should cover that.
1: Yeah, are a lot of horror fans getting out to see this? Because I I don't know if this, uh, like from a genre perspective, falls like squarely in horror, but what what have you heard? I
0: don't think a lot. I think artsy horror... (laughs) fans are getting out to see it and artsy film fans in general are getting out to see it but box office is 10.5 million worldwide which isn't amazing on a budget of 16 to 20 million so right um, it did
1: debut first at the italian box office but got it and it's been out for what like one or two weeks at this point
0: good question it's at least two weeks i feel like right
1: okay yeah probably it's actually
0: going to be coming out to rent the day before this podcast is released.
1: Oh boy! Like on VOD, dude. The whole timeline of how that works now is just insane. Like, I saw Glass Onion too. Like, that was in theaters for like a few weeks, and now it's gonna be on Netflix in like the in the next few days or later this month. I think uh, the the whole timeline of how things go from theater to streaming uh, has just like drastically changed in the last few years.
0: Yeah, it's almost like the there's no set model anymore. <laughs> you don't know yeah. what to expect for each specific movie. It depends I on know. who's producing it and who they've contracted with and where it's going to end up ultimately on streaming or VOD.
1: Isn't that crazy? It's weird. Yeah, yeah, I know. I wonder what this means for the future. Uh,
0: speaking of the future, I have joined the future, and I signed our podcast up for an Instagram account. <laughs> Hey, that's the way the kids say it I assume it's to <laughs> sign up for an Instagram account. <laughs> I, I sent away for an Instagram account uh, so Horror Movie Club Podcast has an Instagram account for anybody who wants to follow us there I think our handle is just Horror Movie Club Podcast uh, and I'm doing a little thing where I'm spotlighting a, a 2022 horror film every day as a little story and giving a little mini review in text a sentence or so to uh, review a certain amount of movies. I think it'll be like 27 movies as a countdown to our top five episode of 2022. So I don't know if that's how to use Instagram, but either way, you can go follow us there. Um, and speaking of 2022 horror movies, I want to remind people again both Smile and Barbarian, we have reviewed them. They are out on our Patreon. So you can go to horrormovieclub.com, click on the big orange button that says Patreon, and sign up for that for a dollar a month. And I've also been putting off some Patreon shout-outs. So thank you to our new patrons, Stephen Markley, our buddy, who we'll probably have on the show sometime soon, Susan, Abigail, Brittany, Carlin, Carlin, Noah, Bryant, Nima, Mitchell, Brian M., Corporal Poppy, I hope that's their real name, Bob, Bob I won't read last names, Bob, Leah, Sam, might be Leah, Josie, Alvin, Jason, Skylar, Macy, J. D. Z., James, Jeremy, Drew, Killa, Kyle, and Liam. Hopefully, I haven't missed anybody. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. It's so great to see our Patreon growing like this. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, what what a way to close out the re- the year. Yeah.
1: What's like, guys.
0: And I'm sorry that I mispronounced some of your easy names, but I seem to be having no problem with Luca Guadagnino. Just got to get that guy
1: on our Patreon (laughs) (laughs) Right, I'll nail it when it happens (laughs) I'm waiting, Luca
0: Uh, Yeah, so you're saying It's hard to say if this is even horror I think it counts, but It's really kind of like a romance, drama Someone on our Discord called it a coming-of-age film Which makes sense
1: Yeah, those three categories seem or Those three genres seem a lot more well-suited for it But um, yeah, it definitely has a suspense and and gore elements in there.
0: Yeah, I mean, the gore is so visceral and vivid that I think it's fair to put this in the horror genre. And they're cannibals. I don't think that's a spoiler, so.
1: Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so anything cannibals is horror.
0: Maybe, maybe not. It's certainly not structured like a horror movie, but there's enough horrific content in here that I'm... I'm not going to fight back for someone who wants to call it a horror movie, because here I am covering it.
1: Sure. Um, You don't think it's uh, judgmental that we call cannibalism like horror? Like, uh, I mean... (laughs) What is this? (laughs) (laughs) You and like half the Discord server is just all like, you you know, I'm
0: always curious what people taste like.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. You weirdos. We saw like Fresh earlier this year. Um, I know we've like done a few other movies. I, I just feel like... And and this film, like, takes an interesting approach where it's kind of almost normalizing it and rather than, like, victim or, like, showing them to be monsters or something, almost humanizing it, right? Um, So it just makes me wonder if, like, we should always be considering cannibalism as, like, this scary thing or if there's a part of us that should be more understanding towards it. Like, are we kink-shaming
0: by calling cannibalism horror? Exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah, I I, I, I just have this speech from a guy... Who was like talking about how vegans get shamed or how uh vegans like shame people who eat meat so is cannibalism just like another version of this
0: no i mean it is often called the last great social taboo and i i think that is very much for a reason like Mm. you don't eat people please Uh. don't eat people
1: (laughs) <laughs> Come on, put it down. <laughs> you guys can't just see what's stop. happening, but just put it down. I this is a great area, especially if they're already dead, like uh, which which we'll see sometimes in this film. I mean, you could argue that it's a very efficient way for a society to, um, you know, reduce their carbon impact.
0: Yeah, I mean, that what was it? The Social Contract by Milton Friedman. Ah, oh, shoot. There's some work of literature, it was like a short essay done in the 1800s, 1700s, where it was like satirically proposing eating babies. Uh Um, (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's that's dark. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But if you want to go down this road, fine, we'll go there. I am repulsed by it, I'm weirded out by people talking about it, like, sorry everybody. But no, yeah, I've isolated, our I've alienated the wrestling fans, so now I'm going to the cannibals. I know, man, you're just knocking out crowds left and right, I'm slowly eliminating all of our listeners. But slowly. if someone's dead, and you eat them, you're right. I mean, there's what is the true moral infraction there? Because it all depends on your beliefs about. Maybe the afterlife and just like what feels Right and wrong I mean humans right. As a part of our culture It seems almost innate and ingrained in us That we Bury our dead or have some sort of Memorial for our dead Like yeah, other animals Don't do this either Some do But not
1: all of them Okay, So there are some animals that will eat their dead
0: Yeah I mean some animals will kill each other And eat eat each other Or eat sure. their babies even
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. There's something like ingrained in us uh, at, at some level that like you don't eat your own kind or uh, your own type. But yeah, I don't know. These kind of films just make me wonder. And uh, yeah, th- cool to see this topic coming up more and more.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you divorce yourself from centuries of human tradition and just look at it cold, yeah, hard logic, then I suppose there's nothing wrong with it. But at the same time, I'm... On my gut level, I'm just like that is so yeah. wrong. <laughs> That's a place we don't go, sure but yeah, oh, yeah. I, I hear I hear the reason the reasonable argument for it too i <laughs> it's weird to
1: call it reasonable, but <laughs> yeah there, there's something to it and uh yeah, it's just uh, everything's like on on the spectrum of like how bad everything is, and if you're gonna criticize someone for being a mediator, then uh how far are you willing to go or um yeah where where do we draw the lines today versus maybe in the future and uh yeah it just seems like there's a lot of gray area in all these things I also feel like there's this
0: whole weird thing in society going on right now where you like if it's not hurting somebody you shouldn't shame it but then you get into this weird barrier where people could use that argument you could use the same argument I'm using against cannibalism as a lot of other things. Like, Ash, you can be like, "Hey, it doesn't hurt anybody, so what's the big deal?" And I can be like, "It just like we don't do it. It damages the moral <laughs> fabric of our society." <laughs> but you could say that about a lot of other things that would be that we do. You do. know, I could say some like uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Like, you could get real homophobic with that, or mm-hmm. real sexist with that, or whatever. Like. Right. Name name your topic, you know. I could just be like, no, it damages the moral fabric. Like, that's not
1: what people do. Right, right. So, Is that, that's kind of like the angle the movie takes with it in a way, right? Like it's kind of a parallel to uh, judgment of, of people.
0: Yes, for sure. Yeah, things. and I'm sure as we review the movie, we'll talk more into that. I think you can definitely read into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, about people living on the fringes of society in the 1980s for The reasons of cannibalism in the film, but that could be a symbol for... A lot of other things. A lot of other things. I think two in particular come to my mind. Um, Yeah.
1: Have you seen Call Me By Your Name or anything else by Luca? I haven't. And it's really funny because I was watching this film. I didn't realize this guy had done Call Me By Your Name. And I haven't seen Call Me By Your Name. But maybe because I know like Timothy Chalamet is in it watching it, I was like, ah, oh, man, this kind of feels like what Call Me By Your Name might be like. And then, yeah, you, you see this guy's name was attached to that as well. But no, I, I haven't seen any of this guy's work. Have you? I saw Call Me By Your Name, but other than that, I haven't
0: seen anything else. Good movie, uh, you, right? It is a good movie. It's very okay. good.
1: Have you seen Timothy Chalamet in much? No. He's another actor like I've avoided uh, pretty well. Uh, so, yeah, great to see him here. <laughs> he's such a beautiful man. Is he a beautiful that's, boy? That's what I've heard. And I was really excited to see this because uh, that's that's he's got a reputation. I I'm convinced uh, this movie is him acting as Machine Gun Kelly, and it's actually like a documentary on Machine Gun Kelly. Like that's all I can think about the whole movie watching this guy. He's like his his hair is dyed pink. He's like wearing these ripped up jeans. His like shirt's open half the time. I, isn't that just Machine Gun Kelly? And he eats people. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's the the two things I think you can read into it. That's one
1: yeah. of them. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. We'll cut cut right it to it. To it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess he's got like a nice uh, uh, bone features on his face. Yeah,
0: bone structure. Bone
1: features. Yeah. Now you're
0: talking like a cannibal. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's got a face. Yeah, it's good. Right. So yeah, Timothy Chalamet, a big name attached to the movie, Uh, but and Luca Guadagnino Guadagnino is, you know, a big name coming up and coming. He's been making movies in Italy for a while, but now he's kind of caught the attention of the U.S. with Suspiria and Call Me by Your Name. This was his first movie made in America, Um, but other big names attached to it. Music was done by the Academy Award-winning duo of Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. And his partner, Atticus Ross, who I think is a member of Nine Inch Nails now
1: too, isn't he? I can oh. never remember that. Yeah, I don't really keep up with the Nine Inch Nails too much yeah, anymore. Yeah, I forgot to double check that. But um, the two of them did a Bird Box as well, right? And they, they did like Soul, they, they've been doing a handful of movies together.
0: Yeah, they've won an Academy Award for Social Network, Yeah. a Grammy for The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and a Golden Globe for Soul. Cool. They're Good just, uh, they're winning.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, any hey, other background on this? Do you want to hit before we keep going? Ah, uh, there's one weird thing. So going back to your point about uh, this guy, uh, the director Luca Timothy Chalamet obviously brings up "Call Me uh, by Your Name."
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: the other actor in that movie, a guy named Army Hammer. You know him? Yeah, right. Um, so when I was mentioning to someone that I saw this, they're like, "Oh, that's so weird," because Army Hammer's been accused since like 2020 of like having this weird like cannibalism fetish oh yeah right and that is really weird that, like two people who did that movie would like do this movie given like what's going on with with that guy uh i don't know did, did you hear about that at all or does that have any connection to this film
0: i don't think it does i think it's a weird coincidence i actually feel like someone on discord may have made a similar joke like oh, oh. i guess they didn't want to get
1: army hammer back for this one <laughs> and he was also in the social network so that's oh yeah weird connection. right 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 and then this is based on a book as well I think
0: this is based on a novel. Yeah, I think I said that, but in case I didn't by Camille oh, yeah. DeAngelis, a 2015 novel, I believe. It, yeah. So I feel like the novel, the perception I had of that was almost like it was um, like not y- like teen fiction, but like, is it called YA, Like young adult? Young adults. Like, yeah. 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 Is, that, is that what it is? I don't know if it is for sure or not, but
1: yeah, I could see that based on the story here. Okay, well, this movie's definitely an old adult.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, they're pretty young kids, though, you know?
1: She's the, 18. Oh, Taylor Russell? Yeah. Damn, that's impressive.
0: At Did least you, in the movie, she's 18. I don't know her actual age.
1: Sure. Did you, I haven't seen that. her. I think she's done like Lost in Space and Escape Room. Um, she seems like an up-and-coming star, though.
0: Yeah, I, she's been in a lot of stuff that I have not seen, but it's definitely... She's definitely a star on the rise. I think she's becoming a bit of a fashion icon as well. Right. Great. Yeah. Anything else?
1: Ohio um, Connection time? That's all I got. Yeah, sure. All right. Oh, Our friend Alex. Go no, ahead. Did you uh, mention the Rotten Tomatoes score? I didn't. Good catch.
0: 82% from critics. 61% from users. Okay. Um. Okay. Every movie we watch is connected to our home state of Ohio for us by our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. Alex says Bones and All is a romantic horror film about a pair of young cannibals who flee together on a road trip across the country and develop feelings for each other. Filming began in May 2021. During production, some of the crew's cars were affected by break-ins, leading to a request being submitted to the local city council to provide $50,000 for increased security. While there was some criticism over the proposed use of taxpayer funds for a private enterprise, the city council ultimately passed a measure to grant the funds. The city council in question was in Cincinnati, and much of the filming took place in Chillicothe, Ohio. That's really cool.
1: Yeah, they actually go to Ohio in the movie, so that was fun. Oh, yeah, right. They're in Columbus. Uh, I didn't know you could ask the city for money for uh, security purposes. I might call them up tomorrow just for fun. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like yeah. yeah, I mean I
0: get it why that was such a hot button issue and in reading the article, I think a lot of people who complained were like 50,000 would really go like a long ass way on like <laughs> this street we've been trying to get fixed up and like have lighting added to it for years but yeah sure we can send it to this <laughs> like major
1: hollywood production for <laughs> it's security it's a matter of national security <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i get it yeah that's that's strange uh
0: okay man well let's keep going let's walk through the plot we're gonna spoil everything everybody but ashra now do you mind if i go get a sweatshirt real quick i took my kid to swim lessons tonight and i was in the water holding him and when we got out I realized I only had one towel so I had to air dry and it was freezing and I just I haven't warmed up yet you know when that happens oh, when you get really cold and you can't warm up
1: Yeah yeah that's rough Okay All right, well,
0: I'll go get the sweatshirt be right back okay Sure <laughs> All right, I- I'm back. Hey, y'all warmed up? Yeah, uh, but this is weird. So there was this other parent at Swim Lessons who also forgot a towel. So her and I were both in the same boat and kind of commiserating. And She just showed up at my door, and she's super upset that I just left her like that after we dried off together, she said.
1: Apparently it was really important, drying <laughs> off, like <laughs> it was a sacred thing to be drying off together. I didn't get it. Yeah, talk about a social construct, man. Like, you can't just leave someone drying by themselves. <laughs> you, do you dry off with somebody, that's that. Yeah, you do it in Paris, dude. <laughs> I think she gets to eat you now. That's a, that seems like the right punishment. Oh, that was a bit of a stretch. I feel like people, even people who saw the movie won't really get that. Yeah, I I'll see. You're like 90% of the way through that, and I was like, oh shit. Is I can
0: see the look on your face, like, what the fuck is he yeah. even talking about? I know, I know. I <laughs> He, he st- <laughs> stopped chewing your man leg. Yeah, All thanks. All right, so as this movie begins, we're introduced to Marin, who is a high school student in 1980s Virginia. She's the new kid at school, and she gets invited to come to a slumber party, which she knows her dad won't let her join. She decides to sneak out and attend anyway. Uh, In what at first appears to be a romantic moment between her and her friend, they're like edging close together on the floor. But the tide turns as Marin chomps down on her friend's finger, clearly attempting to eat it. She runs from the party and shows up back at home with blood dripping from her mouth. Her father, though angered and urgent, seems to know exactly what happened, and has told her to quickly pack her things because they're getting out of town. What did you think of this opening?
1: You know, I, I liked it. I didn't, I didn't realize this was the eighties. It felt like very timeless and old. And I, I thought they nailed the the feel of it um, without like being specific on the time. Um, and yeah, you know, the setting was really great. And that first bite just like kind of comes out of nowhere and just shocks you in, in how like, a. Uh, Gory. It is. Uh, it's just like the last thing you're expecting, given like the pace the movie's moving at. And then, yeah, it totally changes gears here. But uh, I liked it. Pretty effective opening. What, what did you think?
0: Agree. And, and it's like touching and intimate. And then that first bite, just like, oh, okay, here we go. And that that finger is gnarled too. It's not just like a little bite. It's like a semi-detached finger.
1: Yeah, I didn't expect that kind of gory right there. That's wild. Um, hey, did you see the dad was watching? TV and I think you got like a young uh, Mayor Giuliani uh, talking about someone yeah I tried to figure out what he was talking about and I couldn't
0: quite pinpoint it um, mm. Seemed important. he used to be the attorney general for New York and I think he was prosecuting some Wall Street people possibly um, Okay. at a certain point in time I think that may have been what he was talking about
1: Okay. on TV okay.
0: but I'm not totally sure
1: Okay, he wasn't talking about Donald Trump, right? I don't believe he was. Okay, all right. yeah, I, I couldn't tell like why that was in there, but maybe to your point, like kind of setting like what the date or like the decade that this is taking place in.
0: Yeah, I, I w- thought maybe there was something more significant there that I was missing. and maybe I am. So let us know people if we're whiffing something on that one., uh, they relocate to Maryland, Marin and her dad, and shortly after her eighteenth birthday, her father skips out on her, leaving behind her birth certificate, some cash, and a cassette tape on which he's detailed why he has to leave. So we learn from the recording that this isn't the first time she's engaged in cannibalism. The first time was when she was three and she killed and partially ate her babysitter. And then it happened again uh, when a kid went missing at her summer camp when she was like eight or nine and he just knew it was her. We also learned that, oh, go ahead.
1: Oh, one one question I heard, like, you know, we're seeing her reaction while she's watching this, or listening to this tape. Did you have the impression that, like, she has no memory of this stuff? Or is he telling her stuff that, like, she knows she's done?
0: I think she's suppressed it and does not remember it. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah. But she remembers, like, the sleepover, right? Uh, yeah, th- she remembers that. I think everything else she just, yeah, buried. Okay. Um, we also learn that her mom left her so long ago that she doesn't even remember her, I think maybe right after she was born. Marin discovers her mother's name on her birth certificate and decides to track her down by heading to Minnesota, where her mother is from. She takes a bus, which stops in Columbus, Ohio, for the night, where she meets an older man named Sully, played by Mark Rylance, and Sully lets her know that he's an eater, too, and he can smell that she is one also. He brings her back to the home of an elderly woman who is dying on the floor, and in the morning, they eat her together. As they dry off together, which is apparently sacred to Sully, uh, after getting soaked in this woman's blood, he tries to teach her a bit about life as an eater and hopes to kind of take her under his wing, and he's hoping they can stay together since the life of an eater can be a lonely one, and he shows her this long rope that he's made with the hair of all of his victims. Something about Sully rubs Mar in the wrong way, so she sneaks out to catch her bus out of town in the morning without telling him. What did you think of Sully here upon meeting him?
1: Were you wary of him or kind of charmed by him or feeling sorry for him? Really, really mixed. I I think a combination of all three of those. uh, Like, it's crazy how he just smells her and shows up, but then... There's something about like his performance that like yeah, you really want to trust this guy. He doesn't seem to like, you know, indicate any harm. He's older and uh, the way he like kind of uh takes her in and like is vulnerable with her and like kind of shares where he's coming from a little bit. Uh c- c- it kind of warmed me up a bit. Um I thought like this is a, a you know s- someone who might be looking out for her after she's been abandoned by her father, but still like I think this guy delivers a very creepy uh performance, but what what did you think? He
0: does, and I also felt it was like right on the brink of overacting, but, mm. but wasn't. Like, it was right on that boundary, and I think part of pushing that boundary made it hard to read the character, because I felt yeah. the same things, like, well, maybe this guy's harmless and just very clueless and lonely and doesn't quite know the rules of interaction and really wants to help her and be like a father figure to her, right? or maybe he's a total creep. Or maybe he's somewhere in between he was hard to read
1: yeah would do you pick up on or did you pick up on anything that would have caused her to you know run away from him Or was it just was it where she was like mentally in her own journey
0: yeah I mean she was gonna go there anyway and like that was her plan so she'd have to like change her plan for Sully hmm and you know, it's just all so weird. She just learned she's a cannibal, and now all of a sudden she's eaten a woman with some old guy. Yeah. I, I got to believe she's just wary. Like, it's a strange man. Nothing's gone wrong yet, but can't get too confident she's out on her own. So she made the, the wise decision.
1: I mean, she, yeah, I guess. You think so?
0: I think so. I mean, it was a bad idea to go there with him. It, it worked out for her. It, it's hard to know, you know? Yeah. It was good that she went there because she learned a more about herself she learned how to smell other eaters she learned that her hunger is going to be getting worse as she gets older so she benefited from the experience but at the same time it probably wasn't a good idea to go there and it probably wouldn't have been a good idea to stay just bad policy just like you don't eat people (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you don't need to know she's, all the reasons why you just you know, don't do yeah. it.
1: Just got to trust your instinct there. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, here, here's someone who's running, uh, has been a doesn't know what she is. And here's someone who kind of like sees her for what she is, accepts it, and can kind of like show her some ropes uh, made out of human hair. Uh, she's, <laughs> she's kind of rejecting it. Uh, so I, no, I don't know, really. But, the ropes. So let me, let me go get it. <laughs> yeah, I got them right here. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you're right. Like she's 18. She's like still like in shock of it. And she's obviously on a journey to find something bigger. Right. Um, so yeah, she, she leaves town and
0: in Indiana, she meets another man on her travels, uh, at a gas station convenience store, I believe. And this is Lee played by Timothy Chalamet. And they do decide to stay together as he too is an eater. And this time she can smell that he is,
1: uh, see that that's what I I, I don't get. Like, why did she make the decision with the, is it because he's Timothy Chalamet?
0: Yeah, that's exactly why she made that decision.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because of the bone features. Yeah, those bone features. I can't say no to that. <laughs> she looks up.
0: Take me with you. <laughs> there's a deleted line where a deleted scene where she looks up and goes, Holy bone features. <laughs> Lifts up her sunglasses. Yeah. All right. I'm on <laughs> <laughs> uh, So they briefly stay in Lee's hometown in Kentucky, where Lee's sister argues with him about why he's leaving all the time. They eventually continue their travels together, Lee and Marin, and they meet another eater or two along the way. One night at a county fair, Lee flirts with a man working one of the game booths at the fair, and they arrange to meet later in a cornfield. And during a sexual encounter with the man, Lee slices his throat so that he and Marin can feed. Uh, Marin is later deeply troubled to find out that this man was married with a child, and Lee tries to assuage her guilt, and his own guilt by insisting that the man was not wearing a ring and they had no way to know. This is where we go ahead and just say I think that you can really read this as a story about living life as being gay or queer, whatever, mm-hmm. you, however you would identify yourself in the 1980s. In the 1980s, you know, in the height of the AIDS epidemic and just a totally different cultural environment these are two people living on the outskirts of society because of who they are so it's very easy to read into that and I think this scene in particular could be like easy to read as a gay man hooking up with another man and then feeling guilty to find out that he's married with a kid
1: oh interesting yeah uh, like, like they to,
0: feel guilty that they killed him because of that, but yeah. I think you could read it, read it that way as well. Got and right. the guy was, you know, he's at the fair without his ring on, yeah, for right, that right. purpose.
1: Yeah, I, I I get that. That, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I think that the, the bigger thing is like uh, these people having to like kind of hide who they are because of the judgment from society. But then, yeah, you're right. That guilt also plays a role here.
0: Yeah, yeah. and I feel like the, the two kind of go hand in hand because. No one can say who they are, which means, yeah, that you're gonna encounter people who are married and and do have children. and right? You can't all like make honest, consensual decisions with your partner and with your hookup and with, you know, right. everyone's got to be operating in the shadows exactly.
1: yep, yep, for sure.
0: Um, so yeah, what what happens next? So Marin is kind of shaken by this whole thing. So the next morning, she splits off from Lee to make her way to Minnesota alone, where she finds her grandmother and learns that her mother was also a cannibal and checked herself into an institution years ago, and that's where Mara can go find her. Did you recognize her grandmother?
1: I didn't. uh, Something Harper, right? Jessica Harper?
0: Jessica Harper. She's Susie Banyan from the original Suspiria, the final girl.
1: Oh, cool.
0: She also had a cameo in 2018's Sisperia. Okay, nice. Yeah. Uh, so Marin goes to the institution to meet her mother, played by Chloe Savini, only to find that not only has her mother eaten her own hands, but that she has intended for years to kill Marin if the two ever met, to spare, spare the world her monstrosity and to spare Marin from having to live as a cannibal.
1: Mm. How did you tie this to the uh, metaphor of the theme?
0: I think that you can tie it in a couple of ways. Eating her own hands <laughs> sounds outrageous, but I think you could read into that like you you can't suppress who you are. You can try to live a life where you think you're not going to be that thing. That sounds horrible to say that thing. <laughs> to to be who you are and change that, but you can't. Like you can't run from it. You can't hide from it. Sure. I think that's what you could read into that and then just like, you know, the shame and the difficulty of living that way in that point in time. Yeah. That just so it was so difficult for her that she wanted more than anything for her daughter to not be that way.
1: Yep. Yeah, I de- definitely got the vibes of like the shame, fe- feeling of guilt. Uh. Yeah. I can't have my kid like be like me. Right. Uh, the ne- next generation kind of thing. Yeah. Right.
0: And just to be clear, we're not saying anyone should ever be ashamed of who they are, but in nineteen eighties, right, Middle America, this may
1: have been the way people were feeling. Exactly. Um, this is because uh, I've heard some theories where this was, might also be about drug addiction. Yes. Being passed down generation to generation, and so that's where I thought maybe they were going with this. Because um, I, I don't know. Can you pass down? You can pass down drug addiction, right?
0: You can if you are doing certain drugs in the womb while your baby's in the womb, yeah.
1: Mm, Okay.
0: Um, But yeah, I think the part you can really read into addiction is like you need this thing, like you got to get it, and you're forced to live on the outskirts of society and surround yourself with other people who are in the exact same boat as you operating outside the law. Right, Um, right. That one I feel... I think it's definitely there, but I feel like the connections are more powerful to,
1: yeah, like identifying as queer. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I had uh, sexual identity uh, questions like uh, yeah throughout the whole film. Like, I felt like that's where I was kind of drawing parallels to. Sure. Yeah. So
0: yeah, Lauren. After this, she's kind of reeling from this encounter with her mom, but she then discovers. On top of it all, that Sully has followed her all the way from Ohio and is essentially stalking her. He curses her out for not wanting to stay with him. He calls her a c-word, cannibal. (laughs) And it's it's revealed that although we weren't quite sure of Sully's intentions before, now you're starting to think, okay, like he's troubling and possibly threatening. Mm. Still, you could still think, okay, he's just sad and desperate, but starting Mm -hmm. to get more threatening
1: here yeah yeah he
0: followed her all this way
1: he did yeah but it's still like a, he seems like so harmless like he's kind of older and, and slower like it's right. it's hard to take him as like a real threat here we know he doesn't like necessarily kill people um he kind of waits for them to die to eat them so yeah I, I still wasn't sure how scared to be by him sure right um
0: so marin rebukes sully and returns to kentucky where she reunites with lee they decide to head out west together And on their travels, Lee admits that a few years earlier, his alcoholic father attacked his sister and him, and he tried to bite Lee, and Lee had to fight him to protect himself and eventually ate his father and felt very ashamed and still carries a lot of shame from that. And to Lee's relief, Marin is not disgusted with this story and instead admits to him that she loves him. I don't know. I'm trying to think on the fly if there's things to read into that.
1: Uh, yeah, k- kind of, uh, acceptance, um, of, uh, yeah, I, like he was kind of carrying around that, uh, he's probably, we get the sense he's been like nomadic this whole time, so probably hasn't had like a lot of relationships for people to open up to about what really happened there. Right. So, yeah, uh, severed relationships with your parents that you can't really talk openly about. Right, right. Yeah. And find like, I I think, yeah, this is, people talk about this as, like, a romantic film, and I feel like this is, like, kind of where, uh, you really start to see their chemistry or their bond strengthen or, or build.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, they have a romantic relationship If that. I guess I never actually said that in the plot run through, but they do, and I think this is where it gets even more sincere, and they reveal to each other, like, hey, we're not just along for the ride because it's convenience and we've got nowhere else to be, like, We love each other and we want to be with each other. Right, right. So the two of them settle down on that note in Michigan and attempt to live a normal life. Maren has a job. They share an apartment together. And we hear Lee on the phone with his sister discussing her upcoming trip to come visit them. So, you know, they're kind of a happy little unit there. He seems to have repaired relationships with his family. She seems to like his sister and vice versa. Uh, But one day while Lee is out of the apartment, Sully breaks in and attacks Marin. Lee eventually comes home and comes to her aid, and the two of them kill Sully, but Lee is fatally wounded in the process, and they share some tears together before Lee insists that Marin eat him, bones and all, and she begins to feed on him as he dies. We also learn in this scene that Sully has killed Lee's little sister because Marin finds her hair in the, the rope. Which is presumably how Sully found out where they were staying. Got it. I would yeah.
1: guess. Th- that, that was a really interesting scene, man. Uh, like, yeah, for for the first time, I thought Sully was, like, a lot more spry than I previously thought. And, like, more fast-moving and stronger. And, yeah, you're finally, like, really scared of him. Did did, did that shock you? Uh,
0: no, it it, it it didn't shock me. It was just more like the question has now been answered.
1: Okay, that he was a bad guy? Yeah, yeah. Which I I don't know if he was a bad guy. I think he was just someone who was like very hurt emotionally, where he thought he had this bond, and finally someone he could take in, and they kind of turned their back on him um, for some other dude just because of the that being Timothy Chalamet.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If you can get into the brain of the bad guy, then there are no bad guys. You know, they're yeah, they're just <laughs> acting on what they think yeah. is right or what they deserve.
1: Right, right. I, I mean, do, do you feel like the film was? Making a point there to be like this, this guy is like the villain, the bad guy, or was he just kind of misunderstood?
0: I think they went put in the effort to make him empathetic, and I think that's important for almost all movies to do. Like, if you can make the bad guy empathetic, it just makes everything more rich, you know? And it sure it, it's easier to draw parallels to the real world, too, because at least I believe that people there aren't truly bad people,
1: mm. yeah. but
0: somewhere along the way, they're poisoned, or they start thinking in ways that are no longer helpful, or they just <laughs> literally have an illness, you know, I yeah. don't know, I don't think it's so easy, and I don't think it's so black and white, and I think very good sure. people can suddenly become very bad people, and vice versa.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's what's realistic about this film, it's like everyone's very human, uh, and kind of understand to some degree where they're coming from. There was another really weird aspect about this last scene uh, that I wanted to ask you about. So they get in a fight. Uh, Lee uh, comes and grabs Sully. Sully stabs him. Uh, they die in the bathtub, and we know at that point that like Lee's been stabbed pretty badly, right? Yeah. But um, she doesn't really like look too alarmed at that point. She kind of gets up and quietly walks away and like looks at like the ponytail stuff. And then, like, Lee comes out of the bathroom, like, all injured, right? We have the
0: advantage of, like, the all-seeing eyes and detached third-person view of the camera. I would guess in the chaos, Maren didn't really understand. She may not have
1: even known, number one, that Lee was hurt, or number two, how bad it was. Mm. Okay, okay. That makes sense. I thought maybe she was starting to put something together that we know Sully's got this really strong nose and can smell other eaters wasn't shouldn't he have smelled uh, Lee coming into the room and have known that and I, I thought for a second maybe she had figured out that maybe this whole time Lee isn't actually a cannibal. Um, I mean he obviously eats people, but it's not like for the same reason like he's not an eater. Um, kind of like there's an earlier scene where they're at a camp site and she's really insulted when like one guy who isn't an eater but like likes to hang out with eaters is there. So I, I thought maybe this could be exposing that this whole time Lee kind of isn't truly an eater. But what do, what do you think?
0: One of those guys was David Gordon Green, by the way, who directed the yeah. Halloween trilogy. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Her H-40 trilogy.
1: Yeah. What was he doing there?
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, you do like, Yeah,
0: I, that's a good question. Why couldn't he smell him in the room? Yeah, Maybe he was, just... He can smell an eater, but not enough to be like, "There's an eater at twelve o'clock and an eater at three o'clock."
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. Just the one overall. at three o'clock has <laughs> some stellar bone features. Yeah, can smell that from a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's where I thought they were going is maybe like pointing out that uh, Lee might have been a fraud, uh, but I don't know. Does uh, you, you didn't see anything on that, or you didn't get that feeling at all?
0: I didn't get that feeling. I'm
1: not saying it's okay. impossible, but yeah, it's just like, cause she was so in love with him and you know, like this big attack happened in the bathtub, the way she walks away, it's almost like she's like realizing something. Um, but yeah, may- maybe not. Maybe she just didn't realize that he'd been stabbed.
0: Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe the thought occurred to her, how the hell did he find us? And then she went to go look in the, oh,
1: the bag. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What did you think of this movie?
1: Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's 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 like done really well, the acting's incredible, uh, like interesting enough story, pretty original, um, soundtrack's amazing, uh, cinematography is great. I, I thought it was really slow though, and like not enough happened, I mean the scary moments were done pretty effectively, but they were scattered throughout, and um, some of the character decisions, like why she goes back to Lee, uh, after like running away from him didn't quite make sense um and even like the father's tape like it didn't really add that much value except to explain it to the audience like it's not like she got anything out of it um so yeah a little uh head scratching at the end um where i just feel like it was it kind of overstated its welcome a bit and, and could have been a little bit tighter um but yeah that's also just me and I'm, I'm not really into uh coming-of-age horror stories but what, what about you
0: i feel pretty similarly to be honest like I can't complain about it too much, and I get people going gaga over it because it's really a well-made movie. The performances are great. It's got a really great aesthetic. Like, it never all-out says it's in the 80s, but it's kind of got that almost-it-follows feel where you just can't quite put your finger on what time period it's in.
1: Yeah, I um, think about what you said It it falls where, like, if it, you're looking at, like, poverty, it's always, like, uh, we're, like, poor areas of the country... There was like a decade or two behind, right?
0: Right. Yeah, yeah.
1: They're timeless, yeah.
0: Right. Uh in the in terms of the styles and the f- models of things that they own and stuff like that.
1: Right, exactly. Um,
0: but yeah, it, it had a certain timeless almost nostalgic feel. It's hard to say nostalgic because I feel like that <laughs> I don't want to say nostalgic in the context of this movie because I feel like you can leap to that of like people have nostalgia for how great things were in the fifties, not realizing that a good chunk of society was utterly marginalized. And so I don't want to say I'm nostalgic for the eighties when this has the theme of, you know, people living.
1: Yeah. On the
0: edge.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: But the aesthetic just fit, you know, it just, it captured a time and place like middle America in the eighties very well. Yeah. But it is pretty slow. Um, and the romance, I want to say it doesn't feel quite as romantic as it could have, or like like I feel like it's very authentic. But at the same time, not only is this like a romance coming of age and a horror, but it all, it feels like maybe it didn't go deep enough into any of those genres. Um, and like you said about the dad and the tape just being exposition, she's so hell bent on finding her mother. And maybe this is just for the sake of efficiency and the running time of the movie, but she really isn't mourning the loss of her father who raised her for 18 years, who's just abandoned her. We don't see the emotions that come with that very much. Like, we see some tears maybe, but then she moves on, and she never talks to Lee about that. So I feel like there's more that could have been explored. It may have made the movie even slower, but I think it could have strengthened the relationship there.
1: Yeah, I think it could have been a, a sharper movie. Maybe maybe it uh I mean cuz you know one of the things throughout the whole movie uh what is the timeline? Like I know the movie's broken up in different months. And so do, what does this all happen like over the course of a year? I kind of forget in in like what was the purpose of those months anyway, but um yeah, I wonder if they like just uh focused it more on like yeah, the, your father abandoned you and you're trying to find who you are um and like just deal with like Focused more on like those feelings, versus like it's 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 just it kind of maybe went too broad and stretched it out too much over too many characters and too long of a time frame.
0: Yeah, right, right. Like a coming of age story. Not that it's not an events based movie, but we also get a lot of dialogue about how the character is feeling and like them discussing what to do next with their bestie or whatever. <laughs> Typical coming of age movie. And this is very, even though it's slow, it's very event- events-based. Like, they go there and they do that. Then they go there and do that. And then this happens mm. and they do that. Yeah. And you don't really get a whole lot of Marin, Marin's feelings about how things... She, you get a lot of her feelings about cannibalism and, like, how to interact with this new thing she's discovered about herself. So I mean maybe it's rich in that way
1: if you're looking at his at a commentary for the queer experience. Sure. Who who do you think was the main character here? Was it Marin or do you I feel like the second half of this movie really dives more into Lee, his backstory and, and what he's been going through.
0: Right. And I think that's maybe why we don't get as rich of a view into Marin's world is because Lee he doesn't become the main character, but we he's talking more, he's sharing more.
1: A lot more of the actions are driven by him, like the killing. Yeah, of guy. right. He he kind right. of the
0: driver of a lot of the actions too. So, right. Yeah. So a good chunk of what we see is Maron just reacting to him.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's hard
0: to hard to like say it as a negative, but at the same time, it's just something
1: something was <laughs> missing, and I'm I'm trying to pinpoint what it was. I know. I know. It's almost you know uh it is a very like real time and realistic movie. And so, uh, that's why it's, it's long. You don't get a lot of those like Hollywood moments. Like, oh, this is where like they fall in love or they, the love becomes real. Everything, all the emotions here like move very slowly and the, the connections build like over time. So it's, it's realistic in that sense, but I I think it leaves you wanting a little bit more.
0: I think a big Hollywood emotional moment was the ending, not necessarily because of what was happening on screen, but what was happening on screen paired with that song where trent reznor is singing um like for a minute we made it feel like home oh yeah because like they had this nice little world we get a brief glimpse into how they were living and it's like oh like they're happy and they're just going about their like very normal peaceful life lives and then yeah it all comes crashing down and then like the beauty and fragility and sadness of that song by Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor just fit that moment
1: perfectly yeah oh cool I didn't realize that was one of the originals that's awesome
0: yeah and I think that 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 gives you more of a view into the inner lives of the character and especially like Marin, that we sometimes maybe were missing in the movie um and it, it's interesting because it's a movie that's pretty like subtle in a lot of ways so I don't want it to be full-on rom-com where Marin is like, oh, what do I do? There's this cute guy, and do I go with him? Or... <laughs> so I don't want to get yeah. too much, but at the same time, something felt a little reserved. About her? About her, yeah. And that's just her character, but it also just kept me from feeling the romance like uh, like I should.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Same. Uh, I don't know if it was just, uh, they didn't like show, I'm like, there was a scene where they're on a Ferris wheel. I guess we should maybe assume that it was something. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's safe to say like they were getting pretty, uh, tied together a uh, little by little, but, like, yeah, no, no big moments. Right. Like we um, saw them kissing and being affectionate, but right. Um, I was surprised, like, you know, she runs away, well, I mean, she, she goes away from Maryland after her dad abandons her, and it's just like, everywhere she's stopping, she's finding another eater, or like, an eater is finding her, which almost felt like too convenient if they're trying to paint the picture of, you're this outcast in a world where, like, you know, you're not accepted for who you are, and so, uh, I, I found that kinda of hard to believe, that like, it was so easy for her to find Sully and then Lee, uh, did that pull you out of it at all, from a logic perspective? Hmm. Not really, but it did occur to me at one point, like, oh, like they just
0: find them everywhere. Yeah. There's, there should be a lot of people dying around the country. Like, <laughs> yeah, cannibal, can cannibals are everywhere.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that, that's, that's kind of uh, interesting. But at the same time, I do feel like
0: there's allegory there, and you can say, okay, mm. like do you, people have a way of finding people who share who have something in common with them and mm. and or you feel you all are going to the same places because you're all comfortable at the same places.
1: Sure. Yep. Which I think sense. you could read
0: that into any element of society, you know, like people who share the same interests as me probably shop at the same grocery store that I do
1: or Whole Foods. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch of liberals. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I don't for shop sure. at Whole Foods anymore, but yeah, <laughs> okay. might as well. Yeah. Costco
0: and yeah. the hippie place down the street.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. okay, there. Uh, yeah. No, that's true. I mean, that's the whole like the family of your choosing or your, your chosen family. Right. Uh, yeah. That, that sure. exists in, in a lot of different elements. So yeah, I maybe mean, you're right. Like she, she kind of recognizes who she is, and now she can like kind of find others who are like her. Um, right. I, th- I thought the the campfire scene uh was very effective it's suspenseful and i thought it made like a powerful commentary on like here's someone who uh like how scared she was by someone who wasn't necessarily an eater but was making a choice to like do it w- what did you read into that scene
0: yeah she's like why would you choose to do this right and i think that that, that I think she was so shocked because they're killing people like he's just a murderer then you know if he doesn't need it to survive oh yeah right
1: yeah that's a good point
0: that was a pretty tense scene where you don't quite understand what's gonna happen to these guys mean mean harm or not
1: um and and, yeah what what do you think like they like chase them out of like they they had like escape in the middle of the night that was pretty suspenseful but uh do, do you think there was like harm there
0: Yeah. I couldn't, I still quite, couldn't quite tell. Um, do they end up kind of like chasing the truck when they
1: leave or? Yeah. The one guy is like chasing the truck. Yeah. Maybe
0: there was some harm intended there. I don't know what it was, Mm, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I feel like I might step in poop because I've never lived as a gay man in the 1980s. Uh, but I wonder if that speaks to the vulnerability too. And just like, I'm trusting people I may not normally trust because they're the only people I can trust and right. I'm so vulnerable because I can't be honest and open about where I am and what I'm doing mm-hmm. and nobody knows I'm here and I've put all my trust in this person these hoping that they're a good guy or a right. good woman. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I, th- I think it was a cool way to capture that type of fear or the, the unknowing there. Same thing with addiction. Like, I'm now, quote unquote, forced to
0: live this life among people that, you know, may not. That's like a totally different scenario because, yeah. Yeah. Boy, this is. I feel like I, I'm surrounded by eggshells right now, so I'm just gonna
1: <laughs> s- stay <laughs> put. Not move anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I think that's really cool because, uh, yeah, that, that's a very universal experience. Like a lot of different groups that are marginalized, and it's it's cool to kind of capture it uh, in in this horror film in, in in these ways around eating people. And there are people who wish to, which you could
0: read into the guy who chose to be a cannibal. There mm-hmm. are people who are merely there to exploit these groups. Exactly. They mean they don't belong, but they see an opportunity for exploitation. Exactly. A good, yeah. A drug dealer, you know, for example.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Who yeah. who
0: cares nothing about the people they're selling to, but just totally wants to exploit.
1: Yeah, for their, for their, own, their own, own gain. Yeah.
0: yeah. Or who just sees, yeah, like the vulnerability in the gay community is like I can take advantage of these people because, right, for X X Y and Z reasons.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. For like a whole different reason than like what's driving, um, like the main character here. Yeah. yeah. Where, where it's like, it's almost like trauma for her that she's going through and like trying to understand what's happening to her and like how to deal with it. And here's someone who's like, kind of just, um, like, yeah, bandwagoning on it, I guess. Sure. Right. Boy, I'm liking the movie more as we (laughs) read more into it and discuss. There are a lot of great layers and awesome themes, uh, in it, but, um. Yeah, I, I still uh, think like as, as a movie, um, it, it could have been sharper and, and, and gone deeper in a few places.
0: Yeah. It's a, it, I also feel like maybe we're asking too much of it to be like, hey, be more focused, but also like go deeper. <laughs> well, I think that's the same thing. If we had focused more on the two of them, we could have gone deeper and yeah, maybe had less sporadic incidents throughout the course of the movie. Right. But right. then we wouldn't have had these rich things to talk about in terms of the themes.
1: That's true. That's true. I, yeah. I, I almost wonder if it's just like a time allotment, and time efficiency exercise, of like how much time do you give to like the, the campers and like the story that they're telling? Or um, yeah, even like the guilt that she feels when they kill that one guy at the fair, but he's like, we're just doing what we have to do. Um, I guess those are like pretty rich conversations actually. That yeah, you have to experience. Um,
0: hmm. Damn. Okay. One thing I want to bring up that I want to see if it's if it might just be me here, but based on the only two movies of his I have seen, Luca Guadagnino has a Guadagnino has a way of making me feel uncomfortable. Like maybe that's obvious in this movie, but he's sometimes so. Intimate. (laughs) It's like the intimacy that makes me feel uncomfortable. And it can be in like the sound design or the little details. So Marin has a giant snot string hanging out of her nose in one scene. I don't know if you noticed it. And then she accidentally wipes it like all over the side of her face.
1: Oh yeah. And so like we keep
0: that in the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh the sound design when her and Sully are eating that woman for the first time is just like really it's really in the mix like high in right. the mix you know like right it's not just the sound is gross but he's like crank that shit up to like 11 <laughs> yeah um and then Sully drools on top of Marin. oh yeah while like, he's holding her down yeah he what might be missing in the story or dialogue for us to feel close to Lee and Marin, like i think you get in kind of like the texture of the movie and the, the sound design as well like i feel like he really this is gonna sound weird but he he focuses on people's skin in, in hmm. a way like not directly but like he'll be like right up close with the camera so that like you're just seeing like the skin on Marin's arm for like you know a couple of seconds but it's it's different than the way other movies are shot. And I just remember sure. Call Me By Your Name feeling like this, too. It's, like, almost capturing just, like, the, the vibe of being in bed the next morning with someone who you just fell in love with, where you're just, like, taking in every inch of them. Sorry, I'm
1: being really, yeah. really... Intimate with you, Ashley. I know. Shit. And then, I no one else is listening, right? Yeah, There's just, just us. Yeah. You know how you look at someone really closely, yeah. different body parts <laughs> <laughs> the next morning while they're sleeping? Yeah. The, my, my
0: wife on that first morning together was like, Is that a magnifying glass? <laughs> no. <laughs> you are. I got Ash on a FaceTime here. <laughs> Can you stop moving? <laughs> yeah. I just need to tell him. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, he does things with the camera and the sound that like capture that feeling. Uh, he's very up close and personal and intimate with his characters, and it's something about it is like a little too intimate to me. That it makes me uncomfortable, and when it's combined with cannibalism, cannibalism, I'm really it's really off putting to me. So I I feel like. I hate to deduct something from the movie for that reason, but it's just like a my personal hang up, I guess.
1: Yeah, but I mean, how many directors can do that? I guess. I mean, that's exactly kinda, right. That's you can't. It's impressive. wrong of
0: me to complain.
1: Yeah, but I, I mean, it sounds like he achieved his goal, though. Uh, and I, yeah. I hear you. Like, there's something about uh, I. I think visually, uh, audibly, the sound design, as uh, the, the gore that we see and the dialogue. Yeah, th- this is like such a human film. It's it's all about like the the people and bringing out there. Um, physical and emotional self.
0: Yeah. Well, on that note, let's uh, let's do some reading here. So let's see. Maybe zero out of five bone features stuck in Marin's teeth.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, I, yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, I think everything in this film was done really well and beautifully, but kind of slow and not necessarily my genre. So I'm, I think the highest I'm going to go is three... Bone structures stuck in Marin's teeth. How about you? I had 3.5 written down, but... You thinking about bumping uh, it up?
0: I'm thinking about bumping it up to a 4, because I feel like we just had a really good discussion about it. Mm
1: -hmm. At least
0: from my perspective, it was good.
1: (laughs) 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 One of us did, yeah. (laughs) It changed my perspective (laughs) of the movie. Yeah. I don't know (laughs) if other
0: people will think it's good. So I'm tempted to go to a 4... Um, but I, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with my 3.5. I rarely change, so 3.5 out of five. I, I think the you know
1: personal taste. I think that's what it comes down to. then end days, like, is this a movie you would like watch again, or like, uh, yeah, does it align like with what you're looking for in a horror film? And for me, like, that's kind of I think where the miss was. But um, it sounds like you uh, were a little more comfortable with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't watch it again. To be honest with you, like, yeah. Even though we just had a really rich conversation, and I'm like, oh, maybe there's more to the themes than I thought. The, the, I'm sure there's other stuff we could find. Yeah, I just would not never really want to turn it on and, and sit through it again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, nice. I guess I got to be honest with myself. I, I maybe wish I was the type of person who would give it a <laughs> four.
1: Oh uh, yeah. I wish I was, I was more <laughs>
0: comfortable in intimate situations. Yeah,
1: I, I always hate when you watch a movie that's like, like you know, it's like really good and like you should respect it a lot more, but like out of your own personal taste, like ah, the movie's just not for me or something. Right, right, right. I need something a little bit more lowbrow.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I don't, I don't even have that many. I don't think either of us has that many bad things to say about it. Other than yeah, I know.
1: That's yeah. Like, except that I, I still think it was a documentary about Machine Gun Kelly, and I think uh, this T- Timothy Chalamet guy me <laughs> did a great uh, impersonation uh yeah I have, I know nothing about
0: MGK oh, I'll send you some photos after this I know that I've seen photos he he looks oh. like somebody who prides himself in uh trying really hard to be weird
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to describe
0: it if you're weird I'm cool with it but if you're trying real hard to be weird <laughs> no thank that's, you yeah
1: yeah I'm with you
0: uh, okay, anything else? Uh, no, I think that's all I got. All right, well, hope you enjoyed that very intimate uh, episode on Bones and All, everybody. If you did, feel free to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to hear more of us, you can go to HorrorMovieClub.com and click on the big orange Patreon button. Uh, our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart. Thank- we thank Amy as usual. If you want swag, just Google horror movie club coaster set and you'll find a coaster set with our logo and some pop art versions of some classic horror characters done by amy you can buy those from her on etsy if you want to connect with us go to horrormovieclub.com and click on the social links to find facebook and twitter where we announce what we're covering next week discord's on there too where you can come chat with a great little community that we have going of horror fans who are talking every day uh i haven't put the instagram link on there yet but the handle is horror movie club podcast And until next time, if a strange man helps you out of a jam, you should only buddy up with him if he's young and attractive. If he's (laughs) old and unattractive, that could mean trouble. Get the hell out of there. Yeah. Jim Gaffigan has a bit where he's like, hey, if you're walking down the street and somebody attractive smiles at you, you're like, hey, yeah if somebody ugly smiles at you you're like what the fuck is wrong with that
1: (laughs) psychopath that's what happened here right (laughs) yeah pretty much yeah which i think is a whole nother interesting story that needs to be talked about right like the the judgments here poor sully yeah poor sully